Welcome to the Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola, where I dive in deeper into holistic health and fitness topics that will help you stay inspired, motivated, and dedicated to living a purposeful fit life while pursuing for the Akhirah. Hey guys, welcome to today's show. We have a special announcement to make before we get started with the interview. We are in March 6, 2019, the release of today's episode. And in just two days, March 8th, 2019, will be Rajab 1st, 1440 in our Islamic calendar. And that means, inshallah, will be Rajab, Sha'ban, and Ramadan. May we all live for it. If you are looking for a helpful guide to read something, to follow something, to be so inspired and motivated for Ramadan, I put together a free guide that would help you be prepared mentally, spiritually, and physically before Ramadan starts. Just click in the link in my bio in the show notes. And if you cannot click on it, whether you're listening from iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, or even the podcast app, do come over on my Instagram page at BeFitForAkhira or on Facebook page and click in the link on my bio. It's super easy to follow and I'm also opening up a four-week challenge program that will help you be prepared for Ramadan mentally, spiritually, and physically. If you would like to learn more about the challenge program and the release date and what it's all about, please make sure to send me a DM on Instagram at BeFitForAkhira on Facebook page a message or email me at BeFitForAkhira at gmail.com also, stay tuned with the episodes as I will release more information about it, inshallah. I'm super excited for today's episode. And let's get this started, you guys. Have a great day and with love and respect, Coach Ola. Hey, welcome to the 10th episode with Coach Ola. Today, we have Sana Mahmoud, the founder of Veiled Butte. Today, we will talk about how the whole company started out we will share about our experience with helping hands especially from Sana's Mahmoud experience and we will share tips and tricks when it comes to Eid shopping Ramadan shopping and how to shop and purchase with a purpose and of course much more so Sana welcome how are you today how are you doing fantastic alhamdulillah so excited to have you here oh thank you for having me of course, you're welcome. Please tell us about yourself, what you currently do, and of course, about Veiled Butte. All right. So I started Veiled Butte in 2016. I was a sophomore in college at that time, and I had just started taking my business classes. So honestly, I had really no idea what I was doing. I kind of just jumped on to YouTube and, and literally typed in how to start a business 101. From there, I understood you know, the importance of market testing and uh, all the necessities that go into building a business. And, you know, six months later, I, I launched my company, Alhamdulillah. Um, and I've just been working on that ever since. If I'm being completely honest, I didn't think that it would be where it is <laughs> when I started in 2016. I kind of just started that as, uh, you know, a hobby to just kind of see if this is an actual struggle, a pain point that people have. And it turns out it is very much so. And here we are today. <laughs> so. That's so exciting. I, I understand how you feel, but that's really awesome, mashallah. In six months, it's not easy. And for me, it was a, I guess, a hobby as well. When I started BeFit for Akhira, it was an, an initiative as well uh, with the passion. And then, subhanAllah, it turned, I finally like, launched as a business. 
last year and it's been as you can tell us as a business owner it's a interesting journey ups and downs definitely (laughs) definitely yes um and that's something i learned you know right from the get-go is not everything is going to go your way but honestly being an entrepreneur and and being you know your own business owner is it's very fulfilling knowing that you are working for a purpose you're not just working for the system even though some people are perfectly okay with that and you know props to them but for me it's just you know it's it's so fulfilling to to know that my products are providing ease to consumers that are currently you know being neglected by mainstream so for me it was just all about you know serving a greater purpose and alhamdulillah i'm, I'm able to achieve that through this company that's so exciting and would you please tell us if you can dive in a little bit more on how did it all start out? Was it just YouTube or there's an internal calling, especially as a hijab company? Mm-hmm. So I had actually just started wearing hijab about a year ago. And that's when I kind of discovered, you know, there was a, a very big lack in the market. Whenever I went to Forever 21 or H&M trying to look for hijabs, I, you know, obviously never had luck because they were either meant to be uh, worn around my neck, not necessarily on my head. Um, And online, I felt like, you know, as a college student making $15 an hour as an intern, I don't really have $40 to spend on a hijab that I, you know, can wear every single day. So I, I became very frustrated with the lack of options. And that's kind of where I guess the spark initially happened. I mean, I started delving more into this, doing more research, understanding, you know, whether or not this is even a feasible business idea. So a lot of my market research kind of was uh, was done through like survey monkeys and, you know, speaking to customers one-on-one. And then I came out with a line of about, I think it was like 15 hijabs just from the, just from the beginning. And this is really just to see whether or not people would like this or if, if they even want this. And from there, I realized, you know, this is something that people are actually yearning for. And we sold out of our first collection in like a month and a half. So alhamdulillah, that's when I really realized, okay, this is something that I need to invest my time and my effort in. That's so cool. You know, especially, I'm not sure if you, we've mentioned this, but you also graduated from George Mason University. Mm-hmm, definitely. And so, and so did I. And, you know, when he said serve a monkey and I actually want to see your feedback about it. So I attended a conference last, in November 2018. Mm-hmm. And it was at George Mason are a different campus. Anyhow, one of the uh, speakers who teaches in the business school, School of Business at Mason, she said, mm-hmm. oh, service are a big no. And I was listening to that and thinking like, oh my gosh, like I screwed up because I just, <laughs> I did serve it last year to myself when, mm-hmm. before I launched my Ramadan Pro package, just to see like what was in the, like, you know, what was needed and stuff like that. But it was good to hear her perspective. And I talked to her afterwards, like, why are you against service and stuff like that? And she said, you know, it's more important to talk to the customers or the mm-hmm. potential clients, see their pain points and stuff like that. Definitely. So it's, it's interesting to see, like, different opinions out there when it mm-hmm. comes to starting. I mean, a- see, here's the thing. I, I started off with Survey Monkeys because, like I said, I had no idea what I was doing. Yes, um, but, you know, when you start getting more into this business, you start to realize, like, you really do need to speak to your customers. So we kind of adapted the lean startup methodology where it's all about speaking to your customers. So you start off with a hypothesis and this could be, you know, an idea, it can be a product. And then what you do is you go speak to 10 customers. You try not to lead the conversation, kind of let them lead. And there you'll really be able to see like what 
your customers really want, what their pain points are. And then you just kind of go back to your hypothesis and you just, you know, change it up. And then you go back again to speak to another 10 and you basically do the same thing for like, you know, until you speak to like 200 people. That's so true. That's exactly what she was also referring to. And a very great tip as if anyone interested to start a business. Definitely speak to your customers. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Would you please share with us your own experience first with Helping Hands and how to get into it? Yeah. Oh my God. I love Helping Hands so much. So I got involved with Helping Hands as a volunteer. A friend introduced me to the organization and then I decided to embark on a journey to Jordan in the summer of 2016. So this was like a couple months after I had, you know, had I, I had the intention to start Build Butte. So I embarked on this journey for a week long and I spent my time there working with refugees. So there we were really able to see Helping Hand working, you know, on the forefront, on the groundwork, seeing the team work so hard. And, you know, it's it's very interesting because we hear about the refugee crisis. We see it on our news feeds, but actually being there and speaking to the people and, and playing with the children who have actually gone through this is a whole nother ballgame. And it kind of makes everything real in a sense. It's not just a picture anymore, but it's an actual child that you're holding. So Helping Hand, I'm forever indebted to because they completely changed my life and my perspective on, you know, life and our purpose in life. So when I came back, I I had this very strong urge that I need to continue doing work with them. So not only do I work with them as a volunteer, coordinating events, fundraisers, all that stuff, but I also decided to incorporate that into my company. So what we do is 10% of our quarterly profits go towards sponsoring refugee orphans through this organization. And that's in an effort to, one, you know, take part in this responsibility that our our religion has bestowed upon us, this responsibility of service and, and caring for our brothers and sisters and loving for our brothers and sisters what we love for ourselves. And two, it's to instill it's to instill a sense of responsibility amongst ourselves because yes, it's perfectly okay to want things or, you know, to to have things in the materialist sense, but we should always be very mindful of our purchase, like what our purchase is doing for the greater good. So if we're buying a hijab, if we're buying a piece of clothing, if we're buying food, you know, are we doing anything else to put out into the greater world, if that makes sense? Yes. And that also goes back if we're buying a personal training packaging. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) definitely. Yes. Like what is the company that I'm buying from doing for the greater good. And I say this all the time, like entrepreneurship and, and owning your, your business is not a means for personal success, but rather this the success of a, of a community. And you really need to ask yourself, like, is this company that I'm supporting, like, what are they doing for the rest of the world? Yes, and that goes back to another topic that I, I really fast to mention. Also last year, I attended another conference on how to, be a social entrepreneur, like how to make a social impact mm-hmm. in your business. And you don't have to be like a nonprofit to make an impact. Exactly. Just something to consider. But forgot to mention what Helping Hand stands for. So it's Helping Hand for Relief and Development, a.k.a. HRD. Right, Senna? I'm not. Yes, yes. HRD, yep. <laughs> so the funny thing is that, subhanAllah, you know, you were in 2016 that on your journey, 
for me, it was 2014, the last cutoff year for me, especially because I was at 24 years old that time. Mm-hmm. And they have this really amazing internship opportunity for young adults until up to age 24. So after like 24, it's kind of like too late for you to sign up. So that was like, and I find about it on Twitter. And I talked about uh, an article was published on how from a retweet to a internship. But even I had a really great experience with them. And it was my first nonprofit handwork, my first working with a Muslim organization. So I love that they they, they put into like Islamic practice into it. Like they brought in Hadith, for example, when we had the phone calls. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me stay connected with my own deen. And it was just like the around the time before Ramadan or during Ramadan, we had to do a fundraiser dinner. Mm -hmm. So... Yes, and I feel why. like that's something people often forget is you know the importance of service in our religion and Helping Hand does a very very good you know job at at making us realize and understand, but at the same time they're not shoving it down our throats. So they're kind of slowly developing and creating this love for service that our dean has bestowed upon us. Yes, and we are not being sponsored, FYI, for nope. saying this. <laughs> We're just, just, we just love Helping Hand. <laughs> yeah, like, I just want to make that clear to people. It's just that I really had a good experience, alhamdulillah, and also I will share this publicly. He was very understanding. I work with Brother Asif, and I, you know how they have different programs? So, for example, mm-hmm. like, they help Syrian refugees, which is what you did. And they have different programs. I chose a orphan to help orphans mm-hmm. for a reason. And I told him, please, please do not bring in like, like anything that's brochure related or any of the flyers that's for Syrian refugees. And for for me as a Syrian American, is that because I have my own personal situation mm-hmm. where I didn't want to get anything involved or like. So he was so understanding, and he you know didn't like say, oh no, this is how we run our organizations. We cannot like you know. He respected my boundaries and respected my request. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's something you see across all of their employees, whether you're in Jordan, whether you're in Kenya or whether, you know, you're in DMV. Alhamdulillah, they are, are some of the, the best people to work with. Agreed. And so that's how Senna got her purchase with a purpose. Is that correct? Yes. Purchase with a purpose. Yes. <laughs> awesome. And I'm fit for a purpose with a purpose. <laughs> so that's why I <laughs> loved having you because we're both aligned. You as a hijab company and I as a personal training fitness service mm-hmm. business. <laughs> <laughs> Small company still. It's okay. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> we both are. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> yes. So what one tip that you're able to share with all listeners when it comes to Ramadan shopping first and then Eid shopping? I guess the greatest tip would kind of go back to our purchase with a purpose, kind of the conversation that we were just having, is to be very mindful of where you're purchasing. You know, Ramadan is a very sacred time. Eid is a very happy time. So whatever, you know, we're spending on or or whatever we're, we're purchasing, we should really do our best to make sure that we are also giving back. And that that doesn't just mean, you know, giving charity or volunteering your time. But understanding where exactly your products are coming from, whether or not they're being made ethically or whether or not the company that you're supporting, you know, treats their employees and and pays them fair wages. So there's so many different aspects that I feel we often overlook just because someone has a really good sale or, you know, someone is selling something super, super cheap. But what we need to understand is if someone's selling a $5 scarf, you know, they're, they're still making a profit. So you really need to, to hone in and think, you know, if, 
if they're making a profit off of a $5 scarf, how much did the individual who actually made this scarf, how much they're receiving in that? So I guess that would be my greatest tip is to just do your research and be a mindful consumer. Yes. And I'll go back to this in a second. But what about when it comes to the fashion? Because I'm not a fashionista. (laughs) (laughs) Fashion. I mean, here's the thing. Like everyone has their own sense of style. I'm a very strong advocate of supporting small business owners just because these, you know, individuals are not working to make millions of dollars, right? They're, They're working to fulfill a need, but at the same time, they're working to put table on their uh, to put food on their table. Sorry, so I'm a I'm a very big advocate for for small businesses just because I I personally believe that their means of ethical business tends to be a little bit stronger than corporations that are you know just keen on making money. Yes, and I'm a big fan of this. So many gym balls that I'm gonna bounce back. So one is that. You know, the Nike hijab, with all respect to them, I know it might look a little controversial. Yeah, but you and me both. <laughs> when it came out, like, I was among those people who were like, yeah, good job for them. But we also have other people who have done it before, aka, like, other Muslim owners who mm-hmm. recognize us. But we were not paying attention to them because they're small and they're not, like, big, fancy, yes, fancy companies. Yes. And it's, like, not fair. And I've and seen some reviews, like, sorry, mm-hmm. Shuk, No, no, no sorry, sorry. <laughs> No, but I've seen some reviews too where like the hijab's actually slipping off. So there's like no point in my- and see, I think that's my personal grapple uh, with the, the Muslim market is we're so quick to support these corporations. Yes, what Nike did, you know, might have seemed like a great stride towards including, you know, the, the mainstream Muslim. But at the same time, you know, it's just, it's absolutely mind boggling that they spend millions and millions of dollars advertising for social, uh, for social justice or for inclusion. But at the same time, it's, it's a very well-known fact that they're paying their, their workers back in Bangladesh 20 cents an hour. So, you know, if that's the case, like, I don't want your representation because I know that your representation is not with the right intention. It's just, because of the fact that all these corporations are finally realizing that the Muslim American market or the Islamic uh, the Islamic fashion industry is a billion dollar industry and they just want to tap into that. So we as Muslims really need to understand, you know, whether or not our support for these corporations is genuine. Because like you said, we do have a plethora of small Muslim businesses that have came out with a far more practical uh, hijab. <laughs> One that doesn't, you know, slip off. And for me personally, I felt like the hijab that they came out with was really just an insult to to Muslim Americans because one, it's just, you know, you're a you're a walking marketing sign for Nike with its like logo slapped on the side of its head. You know, like it just <laughs> it, it doesn't even look pleasing, you know? Like it's it's not a very pleasing look. And I just feel like they the amount of money that Nike has, they just did not invest into building an actual product that we would like. Yes, and it's so funny because at my job, well, I've had like a lot of Americans, non-Muslims, like, oh my gosh, yeah, like when I, they see my hijab, I'm like, oh, but yeah, you saw Nike, right? I'm like, yeah, but so are so are like other Muslims owners yeah. already done. Like I go back at them, like, yeah, thanks to them, but we already have it already. <laughs> It's like, thanks, but no thanks, you know? And it's funny because I feel like 
I, I hesitate sometimes in speaking about this just because if you are not accepting of it, then you are all of a sudden against it. But that's obviously not our intention. Of course, we want Muslims to be in the mainstream, but I also think that we shouldn't be willing to give up our values, our core values, for the sake of representation or inclusion. Yes, and I know it's hard, and I know that's why I say the word controversial. I know some people like, so take off your own, but we're trying to help each other understand why it's important to mm-hmm. shop with a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and that also actually goes back to another thing I wanted to mention is I did actually not know what fair trade was and meant until one of my friends brought it up. Mm-hmm. When she asked me, like, oh, is this clothing that you're wearing, which was super modest, super beautiful, and not that cheap, but was on sale. Mm-hmm. And she's like, is it fair trade? And I'm like, yeah. And then I, well, I was like, no, I don't know. What do you mean? And then she says, because she sees that their products is super expensive. So mm-hmm. she was wondering about it. And that's when she explained it to me. And that's why I asked you about your uh, your business. But you can also ship in about that and tell us more about it. Yeah, yes, certainly. Fair trade is also something that I feel like we tend to overlook for the sake of price. Before I, I'm so like, can I interrupt and say one more thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, she told me that it breaks her heart when a lot of like Muslim fashion companies say mm-hmm. they're fair trade, but when she actually does her own research about them, she finds out that they're not really fair trade. So if you can mm. pinpoint that too. Okay. Yeah, certainly. So I think it's important to mention that fair trade, the term itself varies for different people, for different businesses. So for example, if your friend is is looking for a particular type of fair trade, then I would definitely recommend her to to be specific in asking these companies, you know, about their fair trade policies. So, you know, fair trade, like I mentioned, is something that is often overlooked for the sake of price. People don't really care about how their product is made as long as they're getting, you know, a good bargain for their buck. But that obviously is a very dangerous mindset to have because it just feeds into the system of exploitation, of, you know, allowing sweatshops to continue operating allowing these corporations to get away with all of this because essentially we're allowing it to happen, right? So when it comes to fair trade, I think it's extremely important for us to remember. For those who don't know what fair trade is, that they're not treating their employees fairly and they're making a lot of more money and not paying them fair wage. That's my understanding of fair trade. And Yes, yes. Uh, so fair trade, I mean, at the same time, the reason why a lot of these corporations go to you know foreign countries is because they can get away with the fact that they're paying someone 20 cents a day because the labor laws in those countries aren't as strict as they are here in the U.S. But with that being said, it is very difficult to manufacture within the U.S. just because the U.S. is not really a place where a lot of manufacturing takes place. We're not really known for that. So there are a handful of factories and, and manufacturing plants in the country. And because of the fact that there are so little the demand is obviously very high. Um, so if you're not willing to spend or, you know, create like 20,000 units, then no one really wants your business because you have people like Calvin Klein and, and all these, you know, these corporate companies that are actually manufacturing within the U.S. So they would definitely prefer someone who's willing to pay big bucks than over a small business. So this kind of forces the small business owner to go overseas But with that being said, they do have a responsibility to make sure that their products are being made ethically. And this could be, you know, in the sense of them doing their own research, making sure 
that the employees are not paid a fair wage, but they're paid a living, a living wage. So the standard wage of many countries is not livable, so which is why we have a standard wage and then we have a living wage. So I, I would strongly encourage anyone that's looking to outsource that they ensure that their their manufacturers are paying them a living wage because obviously, you know, a standard wage forces them to work overtime, forces them to get jobs in sweatshops and and it just feeds into this never-ending cycle of exploitation. This also means having contracts with your manufacturers and holding them accountable for their actions, not turning a blind eye. So this can mean doing whatever you can. I mean, I know it's it's not always easy to just, you know, get up and, and travel abroad and we don't always have the resources to do that. So Skyping your manufacturers, making them show you their their manufacturing plants, their employees speaking to the employees themselves. So there's so many different steps that can be taken. It's just a matter of people actually doing them and understanding the importance of doing them. That's true. And I I have to work on that. But my my friend, excuse me, she actually does her research and she actually does contact them and she does her job, but I'm not there at yeah, but it's good to be aware, like you said, mm-hmm. mindful and try your best. Yes. And I gotta practice it more myself. <laughs> we no. all do. I mean, who yeah, can, yeah. Who can uh, um, decline a, a good deal, right? It's really yeah. Like as a former Target employee, this was the hardest thing for me. I'm like, oh, it's on clearance. I gotta buy it. It's so <laughs> it's yeah, so definitely. hard. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, also for if anyone's interested, for me, when it comes to hijab. Uh, for workouts I usually wear Amira hijabs and I know like there are a few companies out there who do like hijab for sport mm-hmm. so in case anybody's interested you can always ask me what I wear so Sana would you please tell us where we can stay in contact with you and where can we shop with your company yeah yeah definitely so you can definitely follow us on social media instagram at veiled.butte facebook veiled butte Feel free to send me an email if you have any questions at sana at veilbutte.com. And you can shop online at, for our products at www.veilbutte.com. Inshallah. Well, thank you so much, Sana. This was so much fun. And we look forward to see what Veil Butte has to bring in the future, inshallah. And everyone make sure to check them out if you need hijabs for Ramadan, for tarawih prayers, for Eid gift. Make sure you're shopping with a purpose alaikum. thank you for having me thank you for tuning in if you've enjoyed this episode make sure to subscribe today and leave a five-star review you can also screenshot and share this episode with a family or a friend be strong be fit be fit for akhirah